Hi, my name is Cecilia Puna, and welcome to this episode of Brave New Women. All around the world, there are amazing, ordinary women doing extraordinary things. Brave New Women is about giving those women a platform and a voice, and it's about changing the way that women are perceived. And it's a way of inspiring all of us to do the things that we've always wanted to do. I recently interviewed Annabelle Chauncey. And Annabelle is an amazing Australian who started the Schools for Life in Uganda. And there are now over a thousand children being educated in three schools. Annabelle put me in touch with the Director for Community and Welfare at Schools for Life, who is Jennifer Nansabuga, who I'm thrilled to be interviewing today. I'll be talking to Jennifer about her role at School for Life, her own incredible story, her life story, and um, we'll be touching also on the conditions for women and girls in Uganda. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. When did you, Jennifer, when did you start work at uh, School School for Life? I started working with School for Life at the very beginning when it was still a jungle. That is 11 years ago. Actually, this is the 12th year. Yes. And um, how has the school changed since then? Oh, there's amazing changes uh, from a jungle to a school, from one school to three schools, to primary schools and one secondary school. So our students that we started with in the very first school are now uh, in secondary school so they just change mm. and what is your role as director of community and welfare what do you do at the school my role is to ensure that the children's welfare is kept well like all the children are well they, mentally physically psychologically when they are all well including parents because you can't educate a child when they have got issues at home like domestic violence, uh, there's they alcoholism. So we, in my role is to ensure that all that is curved down and it is not affecting the learning of our students. And so can you give me some examples of, of the sorts of things that you're doing, for example, with with either the children or with the parents? Uh, the ver- I'll give you the example of... Um, a mother going through domestic violence, like I have a family that I intervened when there was a lot of domestic violence. The children would come to school late. They would come to school when they are dirty. They are crying. They are they, they self-isolate themselves. They don't want to play with the rest of the children. And uh, if anyone would interact with them, they would be fighting back. So when, when I intervened and asked the girls what could be the problem, um, one of the girls opened up and told uh, told me that uh, my my mother and my father fight every day at at home and they beat us in the process. So we I had to go in speak to the mother who also opened up to me that she's going through a lot of domestic violence. The husband is an, an alcoholic, beats her every night and beats the children as well. Sometimes they would sleep outside of the house. Uh, I had to involve the local leaders. Uh, we have like the local chiefs and we managed to speak to the husband. I had to give the lady support, uh, psychosocial support, 
um, that helped her to stay positive and taking care of her girls. And the reason for her beating was because she does not give birth to boys. She only gives birth to girls. Mm. Um, yeah, so the husband used to beat her because of that. Uh, when we intervened, um, the wife found the courage to first step aside to stay away from the abusive marriage. And uh, she found peace at, at, at finally. She even got a job. Uh, she started working in our tailoring skills program. So she got some money. She built her own small house where she stays now with her girls. And she managed to move away from an abusive relationship. Her girls are performing well in school now. They are doing well. They are happy. And they have grown into now big, big teenagers. Yes, that is one of the many examples. Mm. And so you're having a very major effect on, on people's lives. Yes, thank you so much. Mm. Mm. And um, can you tell me a little bit about your own childhood? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll try to keep it a bit brief. I grew up in the city, the capital of Kampala, in the capital of Uganda, which is Kampala, with both my parents. And uh, we're living a very happy life where I went to good schools and um, it was all good until my parents died. My my dad died got involved in a road accident when I was 16. And my mom, when she heard about the husband's death and after that burial of our dad, she also fell sick, she got depressed and she eventually also died. And left me with my 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 siblings. I have. And how uh, how old were you when? How old you were was, you when your mother died? I was sixteen years. Hmm. They both died in the same year. Hmm. Yeah. And how how did you how did you cope with brothers. that? It, it was quite hard because I had little brothers and sisters. My sister was about. My sister was about nine. And my other brother was about six, and my little brother was four years. So it was very difficult for me. We had to go to our grandmother in the village, uh, who also was a bit helpless because she was old and she had lost her child. Um, life was tough. We had to enroll into a public school where life was more even harder, that we, we had no desk, sometimes even books. You would use one book for like three or four subjects and you go on empty stomach, you have lunch the whole day at school. It was quite difficult. So until I decided that the only way I can I can make it in, to finish up with my education is to move away from such kind of life. So I, I moved back into Kampala and um, I asked one of my aunties to help me accommodate me so I stayed with my auntie in the capital and I started doing small jobs while studying in order to pay for my school fees and also support my my siblings that were back in the village yeah but however it was quite hard because I would study during that time and then in the evening I would go do uh cleaning houses washing clothes, doing people's laundry, and then I get paid for that. And over the weekends, I would also apply to go do waiting at restaurants uh, so that I could raise more money. Even during holiday time, I would do the same. 
So I managed somehow. And the good thing, I would get scholarships at school because of good performance and also good behavior. I was very good in co-curricular activities, music, dance, and drama, and netball. So I would get scholarships whereby at times the weight of paying school fees would be lifted off me to my, and then I pay for my siblings instead. So I managed to acquire my education. However, how, much, how much help were you getting from your aunt, for example? Uh, it was only accommodation and dinner. That's it. Everything was on me. Mm. And how did it feel to be so responsible when you were only 16 years old and suddenly responsible for a whole family? Oh, it was so difficult for a teenager. Uh, it's confusing. But I, I, I remembered my, my father's words. He used to tell me that whatever you want in life, you have to work for it. And it's only you who can support yourself to get out of any kind of situation. And you have the solution to every problem that comes your way. So I had to re- reflect on those words, those statements, and sit. But it was quite hard. It was very, very difficult as a teenager. So my teenagehood was not like for any other normal child. I did not enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. And um, for your, for your um, siblings, for your brothers and sisters, yeah. were you, um, were you very, very involved in their education? Yes, I was because I had to support them, pull them out of the government school, the public school they were, they were in, and then put them in a local private school near our grandmother's home. Uh, where I also had to pay school fees because in the public school there was no learning at all. Um, until when I put them in that private school, relatively fair for me to, to afford. Uh, that is when they, they carried on in their education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were, you were studying, you were looking after your three siblings and you were, and you were working to, um, to, to get enough money to, to pay for their private school fees and for your own and to exactly. keep you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. And what did you decide to study when you left school? Uh, when I left school, um, first, when I was still in school, I wanted to be and uh, I wanted to do so many things. I wanted to be a marine soldier. I wanted to be an electrical engineer. But then after I went through all that suffering and seeing how hard life was for me to acquire an education, I decided to go and learn to, to be a teacher. So I I went and started to be a Montessori teacher because I wanted to give back to the children that would be in the same situation as myself to acquire or to get a good education. Mm. And why um, why did you choose to, to become a Montessori teacher? Um, I, I chose Montessori because Montessori is more practical. It caters for, it, it is more practical that even a child, and, and it does not only based on memorization, it goes deeper. Montessori teaches a child to learn and understand and keep up those values that are learned and the skills, not memory. Uh, personally, I am a hands-on person and I love doing things and I don't forget them. 
So such a system was favoring me. And also I, I, I saw that it, it helps a lot of, of children during their learning. Yeah, that's why I chose it. Hmm. Hmm. And um, tell me, when, when you, you got a scholarship to the Montessori School? Yeah, so um, I, I applied to the Montessori School to go and learn the teacher training college. And uh, the school fees was quite a lot. It was quite expensive. Um, but when I, I went, I studied for the first semester. And uh, the principal really liked me because I was very active. I was um, and asked me if I could volunteer and work. Like I would study in the evening and then work in the morning um, as a volunteer. So I accepted and I volunteered. After uh, then, I was given a scholarship and I was told I I, I, I will not pay school fees um, until I finish. So I volunteered at the school and I was given that scholarship because of uh, the good performance, uh, how active I was and how much I love the children that were coming into the demonstration school because I was working at the demonstration school during the time in, in the morning hours. Then in the evening, I would go for classes, which really created a big burden off my shoulders of paying that big school fee. Mm, mm, mm. And how are your how are your brothers and sisters doing now? Well, they're doing well. Uh, my sister is a teacher. Mm. She she did early childhood education, though she did not do Montessori. She studied the national early childhood teacher program. And my two brothers, one is a farmer, the other one they both actually did mechanical engineering but one decided to go into farming and the other one is uh, running his own transportation business and also doing mechanics as well. Mm. Mm. And um, how difficult is it to get a good education in Uganda? Well, if you, if it is very difficult, especially if you do not have money and if you don't have anyone that you know that can support you, it is very difficult because good education is expensive. Mm. Uh, if unless if you also have support and you go to schools like the ones that are built by School for Life, where you get good quality education at a cheaper price or at no cost at all. Mm. Mm. And what about for um, girls? Is it more difficult for girls in Uganda than boys? Yes, it is more difficult because culturally, even parents feel like the boys have got higher chances of learning than the girls. The girls are more vulnerable. The parents would look at, especially the male parents, to look at girls as commodities, those that can get married easily if you you you, you turn a certain age, you're ready for marriage. So there's no need of you going into education. There's no need of you going further with your education. You'll be married anyway. So it is hard also for girls. Though with... Um, programs that are coming up like at our school we encourage girls equal opportunity for both boys and girls but when you put countrywide boys have got higher chances of learning uh, than girls mm -hmm. and and um, what are the, some of the things that the girls in your school some of the difficulties that they particular difficulties that they face uh, currently because of our mentorship program, because of our intervention in any issues, the girls are not facing so many problems. 
as I as before they were facing problems of parents actually wanting to force them out so that they could go for marriage. Also, those that were in this school, uh, they would be disturbed by men that think that these girls are ready for marriage and they are making sexual advances to them. Uh, others would face issues of uh, defilement and then they are quiet because culturally they are taught not to open up uh, about such issues. So those are some of the challenges that the girls face. Mm. Mm. And tell me a little bit more about um, the School for Life. Um, how how has your role changed, and um, what are what are the, some of the initiatives that are that are um, that are being taken at the moment? Wow, we've taken quite a lot. Um, we would look at when we went into the first community that we went to, that is Katuso. That community, our aim was to educate, just taking there a school to teach children for them to learn. But when we landed into that community, we realized that there was a lot of domestic violence. There was a lot of gender-based violence. There was a lot of alcoholism and drug abuse. There was a lot of misconceptions about education, that when a girl is educated, they are going to, to, to misbehave when they get married, that girls that are educated don't get married. So we, we went in with uh, initiatives of fighting against child abuse. We went into right, uh, teaching about the child's rights. Uh, we went in with projects that were rather programs that were talking about gender-based violence. And uh, we taught a lot around gender-based violence and domestic violence and alcohol effects of alcoholism and drug abuse. Uh, with that, we knew that when we tackle this area, those areas, we shall have children that are mentally stable in school. Now you can see even the communities that had no, like they, they didn't have any idea of why somebody should go to school. There was no importance of education. They didn't know until now that every parent is fighting to see that their child goes to school. Of course, there are those that are a bit rigid, but I would tell you 99% of them wish all their children to be in school and complete their education cycle. Those are some of the initiatives that we brought in, which were actually not even part of us and part of our initial dream. We also uh, came up with a health clinic. So our schools have got health clinics where we care for our students and teachers in case they have any illness, uh, we have boreholes. We have boreholes that are used by the community for them to have clean drinking water. Yeah. And so it's really your your the school. You're working not just for the children, but for the whole community. Yes. Mm. 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 Because when the community is impacted and is receiving also from from the school. They, they appreciate and they see the importance of the project being in their community. And they they love the school because both the school gives back and they also want now to give back by bringing them to school. Mm. And are the parents very involved in the school? Yes, they are very involved. They come because we have days that connect them. We have uh, uh, class days where they come to visit we call them visitation days, where they come to visit the children uh, at 
school, they have an opportunity of speaking with their classroom teacher to have a one-on-one discussion about the children's, the child's performance. We have community days where they come. We call them Go Green Days, where they come and we plant grass, fruit trees, we grow food together. Uh, we also now have parents that are our ambassadors. They go out there into the community to, to, to sensitize more about the importance of education, uh, about uh, against domestic violence, against child abuse. Yes, so the parents are really involved. Mm-hmm. And how did you, so when you finished your education as a, um, you, you had your qualification as a Montessori teacher, uh, what happened then? Uh, after I worked at, at the Montessori school for a few years, and then after that, I joined school for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And did you join as a teacher? I joined as a teacher and a head teacher at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it was a small school. We started with only two classrooms. So I, I took up the I, the, I was the head teacher, I was in the head teacher role, and I was still the class teacher of uh, pre-primary, um, so that I could lay a good foundation and blend in Montessori and the national curriculum as well. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what, um, what would you, what is your vision for School for Life, say, in 10 years' time? Wow. If the past 10 years gave us three schools, one, one secondary school and two primary schools, um, looking at the next 10 years giving us at least uh, more primary schools, uh, maybe I'm looking at educating more children because I'm looking at if we can have more two of three primary schools and three secondary schools in the next year, those are six years, rather six schools, and impacting more lives in different communities. The more lives that we impact, the more uh, brighter the future is going to be for the next generation. So I'm looking forward to educating and impacting more lives. And do the children who graduate, do they do they tend to stay in Uganda or do they leave? Uh, since our first students are in senior three, which is year, is it year nine? Mm-hmm. Yes, they uh, they have not yet graduated, but yes, our hope is that when they finish, they come back into their communities to transform them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many schools are there like like School for Life in Uganda? Not so many that I know of. I, I actually can't tell the number. Yeah. But when uh, when I would give you uh, statistics, when I look at the district or the, I don't know if you have districts, the districts that we are in, um, I, it's only our school that is of its own kind that we have in our area. We don't have any other school like ours. Mm. Yeah, because I'm wondering how many how many schools like School for Life. Uganda would need to really start making a difference in terms it of... It would need so many, because if it can have, at least in each district, and have like three of, or six schools, it would make a lot of difference. Mm. Mm. 
And um, Jennifer, um, just I've got two final questions. One is, um, what has your experiences been in your life being a woman? Has it been positive? Has it been negative? Has it been? Have you have you got any examples of times when you felt as though being a woman was either an advantage or a disadvantage? Uh, one, there's no day I've ever felt disadvantaged because of being a woman, and this I, I give credit to my late father because he always encouraged us that we have equal opportunities and we have we can do everything whether you're a girl or a boy. So even during my growing up, I grew up knowing that I can what a man can achieve, I can also achieve. Um, I'm I'm lucky that um. I've not faced like ch- many challenges like domestic, a lot of domestic violence that women do face um, because I am more of an independent woman. Um, I, I, I'm confident. I, I, I take care of my, my children. I take care of myself. So at least I know with education and with, uh, of course, my parents' sessions of guiding that they gave us, have helped me to stand strong and know that I I have the same right as a man has. Though, as a woman leader, there are challenges that we face, that personally that I've faced, whereby you're leading a group that has got men and men feel like they're intimidated. They would feel like, no, this is a woman. She can't give us direction. She can't tell us what to do. And you get you get that bit of disrespect from the people that you're leading because you're a woman. But still, that doesn't put me down. We have to live anyway. Yeah. Mm. And Jennifer, is, is there anything else that, that we've missed that you'd like to say? Or do you have a particular message that you'd like to give to the people who are listening? Well, I would like to, to say thank you, Cecilia, for this interview. And uh, to the listeners, thank you so much for for choosing to listen to this podcast. Um, let's give equal opportunity to boys and girls. And let us give and love as much as we can. Because if one helping hand, if we give a helping hand to one family, we have changed we may have changed the village. So please continue supporting whoever you can support, continue to give to whoever you can give and don't stop loving and caring for those that need the love and the care. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's, a, that's just a, a lovely message. Thank you. Yeah. Jennifer, I mean, I'd like to thank you for all that you're doing at School for Life and all that you're doing in not only for the children but also for the community. I think it's um, it must be incredibly fulfilling. Uh, I think that the more the more we have schools like School for Life, the more we have people like you, the more that um, all all countries will be better places to live in. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Thank you so much, Cecilia, and thank you for having me also. I appreciate. I always love sharing my story out to the people out there because you never know who can be changed just by that message. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. You're welcome. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brave New Women. 
certain podcast sites such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts or Podchaser let you leave a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more people will listen and the more these women's stories will be shared. So I'd really appreciate it if you could. Thanks for listening.